0: This is episode number 20 of the Let's Talk Retouching podcast. Follow along when we talk with professional retouchers and industry leaders about all things post-production and retouching. And today we will continue our conversation with our guest Virginia Y, who is also the host of the Fashion Photography podcast. In the past episode, you could get to know Virginia and her motivation of why she got into this industry and today we will dive deeper into topics of retouching and workflows and let's jump right into that conversation. Now, as we have talked about how you got into photography retouching and also talked a little bit about the podcast, which we also will put a link in the show description or the show notes let's go over. So what are the things you have on your desk? So you are really touching yourself. You mentioned what is the stuff you actually use when you put your files, your precious files onto your computer. So how does it start and what hardware are you actually using on your desk?
1: Well, I'm using a desktop computer. For me, that's important. I prefer to sit comfortably <laughs> instead of doing my job on a laptop. I also have a laptop, but I definitely prefer the desktop. I'm usually using Capture One for my role files, mm-hmm. just to make the convert and to especially select my photos. Because for me, it's super easy to do that in Capture One and I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so, it is. I, I also think sometimes it's overlooked. So uh, people know that from Lightroom and they most likely just use Capture One maybe to tether shoot and then use Lightroom again. And I think I would rather do everything in uh, with this one tool if you have the chance to.
1: Well, to be honest with you, I've never opened Lightroom ever. I don't know if it's... Which you a, don't have
0: to, so you have Capture one. I so. just don't
1: need it. I don't think uh, it's a bad product. I cannot tell. I've never used it. But the thing is, I think the best product that you can use is the one that you know. So what I know is Capture One and Photoshop. That's why I'm using yeah. those two, simply because I know them. I can probably do the same and have the same results in Lightroom, but it's going to take me a lot more time to figure out what's where Yeah. Um, instead of just using the tools that I already know.
0: Yeah. But speaking of Capture One, are you working with a library or are you starting a session every t- with every project you're working on?
1: So I'm usually using the libraries. It's just the easiest way for me. Okay. As I told you, I'm mostly using Capture One just to tether and Mm -hmm. also to do my selection.
0: Makes sense. Again, you're using your computer, your desktop computer. What are the other tools that help you to get your retouching done?
1: So once I'm ready with the Capture One, uh, I'm ready with my selection of raw files and I'm starting to retouch on photoshop with my bamboo which is a very old bamboo Mm -hmm. wacom bamboo um and
0: they're now called just intuos and they no no no
1: it's just so old yeah it's an actual bamboo
0: yeah they they, (laughs) yeah it was just saying they now rebranded everything yeah and now they just have the intuos and the intuos pro so what you are using now the intuos sorry the wacom bamboo is basically the the intuos line
1: it's a very small one. I have had the big A4 format, but it was super uncomfortable for me because it's taken a lot of space and I'm using right. a lot of the the shortcuts, mm-hmm. and the keyboard. So it's very uncomfortable for me because I need to put it somewhere. And with the bamboo, sure. I don't have uh, the this problem so it's easier for me and that's why i'm using it Um, and it's a
0: conversation we we have to have as retailers as well is how we get the the question a lot so which tablet do i have to or should i buy and i always say the smaller the better because if you're not drawing you do not need all the real estate and every time you want to move from left to right with a big one you have to move lift your arm move all the way to the left and in addition to that, it takes up space on your desk and makes you remove the keyboard, maybe, or you have to put your arms in awkward positions to get there. And it's not comfortable to work that.
1: Yeah. And comfort is a keyword for me because at the same time, we need to think about space, but we also need to think about our health. Because yeah. for example, I have a friend that is a graphic designer and she's having really big problems with her joints because she's constantly working. So we also need to think about our health. And if I get asked the question, what do I need to buy, I would give the same advice I give to people that are asking me, what type of camera do I need? does not matter what type of... Well, it's not exactly the same for for the tablets. I think there is a brand that you need to, to take especially. But if we talk about size, I think you just need to try it. If you have a friend that is having the tablet that you're considering to take to buy, uh, you can ask them to give it to you for a day or two. That's exactly what I did with this one, because I was already working with the big one. It was again, A4, and I wasn't happy with it. Um, So I asked a friend, exactly the same friend that I told you about, the graphic designer. And she gave me her bamboo. It was such a big difference. Yeah. It was amazing. But it's my way. So I'm a woman. I have smaller hands and everything. So probably for a bigger person, maybe the A4 is, is a better decision. I bet there is some sort of point in that since there are manufacturing them (laughs) Mm -hmm. so people are also using them but i think you need to try in order to understand what's going to work for you the best well i
0: I think it comes down to how you are working and from my experience when you are working on a display um, you can make use of more real estate uh, as you are actually drawing on the display but when you have a separate tablet and you're not drawing and you're retouching when we make usually a lot of smaller strokes basically then it usually isn't that beneficial to have the big one because Mm -hmm. you can move around the image on your screen wherever you want and make the image go where your hand is instead of making your hand go where you want to work on the image
1: well i've never tried the display one to be honest with you Mm -hmm. i'm not very sure i'll be feeling very comfortable with it simply because um as i said i haven't tried that i think you have right
0: yeah i have the the smaller one but um, I also have mapped down the area so oftentimes I switch so I make the image appear on the main screen and also use it as a regular tablet oftentimes uh-huh. so I have yeah
1: I think thats I have decision. less
0: movement to do it's probably not the most intended use for it but yeah
1: well actually i understand you because i'm very conscious about the fact that you cannot see the whole image yeah. all at once you need to zoom like you in and some, out constantly. some
0: parts covered with your hand and then yeah. you have this parallax effect that sometimes drives me crazy so depends on where <laughs> where i position my hand i have to rethink where i have to push down so they fixed the parallax effect with the new Intuos line by making the, the distance of the the touch uh, surface to the screen smaller and they're working on that constantly. I have the a little bit older one in Tours, but it's the 16 inch. And we have not talked about which tablet you should get, and it's definitely a Wacom tablet, I would say.
1: Especially for the for the display one. For me it's also very important when I'm working on an image to be able to see it zoomed out as much as I can, because it's different when you see the whole picture.
0: So yeah, but I can recommend trying things out there. Like Mm -hmm. I know Wacom, they have in the US, they have the Wacom Experience Center and they go to trade shows where you can get hands on and try and see which one works best for you. So if if you haven't tried a tablet maybe you have a friend or maybe go to a show where they are on display that's usually what i also recommend and start maybe with a small one see how it how it works and if it doesn't work for you then maybe go to a bigger one and not the other way around so people often refer to the medium because bigger is always better thinking and that's not for researchers at least not always the case so yeah that's that do you have anything else on your desk that you need to make really magic?
1: I just want to mention that if you're in Europe, you can also go to Birmingham because they have a great festival of photography and there are many trades. That's the and, um,
0: photography show, right? Yeah, it's the photography
1: yeah. show. There are many traders there yeah. and you can also try the the Wacom uh, tablets there yes. too. Yes. And they and have a
0: big, and it's big range. In, somewhere in spring, I think, every year
1: yeah yeah right. I, I think it's in marriage or it's something anyways um what i have on my desk and what i use in addition to my retouching is of course a mouse a keyboard my bamboo which is something i would never give up <laughs> or i'm just going to upgrade at some point but right now i i just don't feel the need and of course a good display and pretty much that's it i mean even if I'm very happy to say that the display that i'm working on on my desktop and also if i need to use my laptop for example i'm happy to know that the display is very high quality and i know that i'm going to deliver great results it's
0: do you want to share uh, the monitor you you're using at your desk
1: yes i'm using a dell monitor i'm very happy with it it's math for me that's important because I don't have too many reflections that I don't want.
0: Yeah. And I cannot um, imagine working on an iMac to be honest, as a main screen.
1: <laughs> many people do. Yeah. Um, but it's like
0: y- you have to set it up like super properly to not get reflections yeah. and reflections drive me crazy. Where I, yeah. even on the matte surface, I when I have reflections, I sometimes wonder like, do we have to fix somewhere here? Some something here like small shades that change and um,
1: be very sure Mm -hmm. and my laptop is actually lenovo yoga and it's glass monitor so it's a little bit different but i'm very happy with it too because it's 4k and uh, the, the quality is just amazing
0: yeah i can imagine so um Now, in terms of when you put images on your your drives and stuff, do you have any backup solution or how are you structured in terms of doing that?
1: I do. I have all the hard drives in the world. (laughs) The only that I don't have are the listeners. Um, Those that the listeners have already bought. So I have a lot of backups and most of my backups are actually backups of my raw files. I'm not really great at structuring. So that's the reason why I have so many backups.
0: Okay, yeah. I mean, better better safe than sorry, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. So I'm really not happy to share that I'm not very structured because it's a big burden for me and I'm trying to fix that. But when you were working for so many years and when you, and when yeah. you have so many files, it's very, very hard to structure them. Well, yeah, you but have to I'm make really change
0: in, in terms of the workflow and everything and have to also invest a lot of time to reorganize yeah. all your clients and yeah, that comes with a huge time investment but on the other hand is and patience yeah <laughs> but on the <laughs> other hand it's like if if it's working out it's working out and also as you said it's like uh, you feel like it's a little bit of a burden Is you can improve on basically everything you do but it's like a matter of how much effect does it have on your business uh, to spend all the time that goes into it and the, for you Obviously, it would go a lot of time into restructuring it. And you have your files, so it's not that something bad could happen. So you can take your time to eventually switch your workflow.
1: Well, I have my files in different folders. And sometimes I have a folder in the folders with a backup of the files, which is super stupid. But um, yeah, I'm just copying everything everywhere. And as I said, I'm copying mostly my raw files because... As we started the podcast, I'm mostly and mainly a photographer, not a retoucher. So for me, the most important part is the raw files. And as I told you, I'm doing very, very light retouch. So even if something happens, I can always do another edit or something like that. Of course, I'm also copying my PSD files because that's what I use. But the most important part are definitely my raw files. And what do you usually do and what do you usually use for for backup?
0: How I am set up. So I have a, a one terabyte uh, SSD in addition to my um, actual drive that my operating system is on. And the, on there goes all my current stuff that I'm working on. And then the program syncs over all the files to um, uh, internal RAID, which are regular drives. So just if I need to access them and that is done daily. So if I made a change and I have to go to an older version, which is a day old or something, then I still have them at hand on my working machine. Now that sounds awesome. And then I have a network attached storage, which is like a mini server. Then from the second drive, all the files get pushed over to the file server. So if the drive fails, I still have them. So I usually have... For current files, there are three places. And uh, when I'm done with the the project, I can just delete them off of my SSD and still have them on my computer and on my network drive.
1: Well, that's exactly what I was talking about when I said that Retoucher need to know a lot of stuff. I'm blessed to say that, as I mentioned, George, he's also the editor of the podcast. Yeah. Um, and he's heavily involved with virtual reality and uh, 3d stuff and things like that so he's really into this material and i'm really really happy to say that he's handling the yeah. hardware
0: well it part can get overwhelming and sometimes you overlook it and yeah so i
1: i think that's the topic that i hate the most yeah.
0: i mean it's, it's the stuff you have to do but you do not want to spend a lot of time and thoughts on it
1: Simply because you're afraid that something might happen, (laughs) not because it's uh, way too complicated or something, because you're afraid.
0: So, okay, Uh, your backup solution is is all the hard drives you have. So you have like 99% of all the drives in the world are at your place. (laughs) And then you obviously, we talked about you using Photoshop. So can you give us just a brief description on how your workflow is structured in terms of Photoshop?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm actually going to make um, something like a tutorial for that because many people are asking me, but I cannot tell you when. (laughs) So uh, what I usually do is to start, as I told you, my final photo, the raw photo, usually looks a lot like the one that I want to have in the end. So I usually need to make just a few and very little color corrections. And, uh, of course, to to retouch the skin because I'm mainly shooting fashion and advertising. So it's something that I cannot skip on. First off, I know it's very weird, but that's my way of doing it. I'm uh, doing some adjustment layers of the colors that I want to have in the end. Then I'm turning them off simply because I want to see the closest result.
0: Well, that's not weird at all. That actually makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, good. <laughs> because like you wanna know where you end up. Mm-hmm. For for me as a retoucher working for other people, it also is a way to um, show them. Yeah, to show them how the final image looks like without having to do the skin cleanup. And then I can later on, if that is approved, then I do not have to make the changes on it, then I can start with the actual retouching.
1: Exactly. So I told you that I've worked for auto photographers as a retoucher at some point in my life when I was at the university. And uh, yeah, it was very easy for me to do this part without the skin retouch because the skin retouch is usually taking more time for me than the colored
0: Yeah, stuff. it is. And it just as you mentioned, a, a recent episode I did was talking about that the color work has a huge effect on the final image. But True. the skin cleanup, it has to be done and it takes a lot of time compared to the color work you are usually doing on an image. And the effect is rather minimal, so to speak, in terms of you're looking at small images, maybe on 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 social media and True. not everything goes in, into print. But as you said, you cannot skip the skin cleanup, but there goes a lot of time in it
1: well i know some people that are not very aware of color and how they how it works so sometimes this part for them is the the hardest part
0: it helps to know where you want to end up right
1: true so when i'm starting to work with a file when i'm already on on the raw file i'm not even open i haven't even opened the photoshop yet i'm trying to achieve the most neutral result and then I'm opening the Photoshop because I want to, to have an uncorrupted file and I'm usually working with the color temperature that I want to have at the end in the camera. So as I told you, I'm trying to do everything in the camera and then to have just a few adjustments on adjustment layers in Photoshop. So once I'm done with the color, I'm going to turn off those uh, layers and continue with the skin and the little things that I need to fix. And then I'm going to do, if it's needed, some masks. And that's it, pretty much. I mean, my way of work is super, super simple. But it's not relatable to everyone, simply because I'm the photographer and I'm also the retoucher. And I know by experience that it's super hard for retoucher to work with a file that you're not aware exactly Mm -hmm. what the photographer wanted to do. Um, That's the reason why... Gave up retouching for other people, though for a, for a university student, it was very good money and I was happy with it. It wasn't taking me too much time, but I wasn't happy with the fact that I need to make good art from from images of people that are not really aware of what they're doing, because that that was the, the clientele that I had back then. So well, it's the
0: unpleasant part of retouching is to fix stuff. And where you are starting, when you are the photographer and reach your own images, as you said, you pretty much end up in camera where you want to be. So you can go through the pleasant part is to make the the images even more beautiful.
1: Exactly. So it's just final touches. It's, It's not the core of the work. If I need to fix something on the skin, I'm going to do it on different layers for the different parts. I'm usually having one layer where I'm just using spot healing brush and then I have another one only if I need the clone stamp. And everything else I do with adjustment layers and I usually, usually use those two just for the skin. I think pretty much that's it. For my layers, and if I have to, I I know the retouchers are like, oh my God, you should not do this, like never ever in your life. But I occasionally do use Liquify, and I do this on separate layer once I'm ready with the skin and everything else. And this layer is right below my color layers. I think everything that a person can use in those programs they need to be very aware how to use it exactly. I'm very aware what I do with the Liquify. I'm never using it too much because, as I said, uh, quality is very important for me. And we both know that Liquify is not very...
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah. squishing pixels around. But sometimes if if you are told to make someone slimmer, there's probably no way around of using it.
1: Exactly. Especially when you're working with famous people and people that are really aware how they look. So we need to follow instructions, even if you're the photographer. So there are some little things that you can do. I usually put this layer right below my color layer, and I again use masks on it. I use the whole layer. So I think pretty much that's it. There are lots of masks in my yeah.
0: workflow. Well, that's Photoshop is what what it is for. us like adjustment layers, uh, layers and masks. Mm. I agree. So, uh, oh, in terms of putting out the images and exporting the images, are you exporting from Photoshop or are you going back to Capture One for that?
1: Well, it depends. I'm usually saving the PSD file and this is my working file. So it depends on what my client wants. So if they're going to use the photos just for web, let's say, I'm going to copy that file and you know extract everything I need from it. And if they need print advertising, let's say, um, my methods are different and my approach is different. But the easiest way for me to, to work with batch files and lots of files, and to save them all together, let's say, for the web. Oh, yeah, and another thing. Uh, Usually, all of those PSD files, when I'm ready, and I know that they'll be printed or published or whatever, I'm going to open and resave as TFF. And I would merge the layers so Mm -hmm. that I can save some space. (laughs) I would put sharpen. I usually use, uh, use unsharpen mask. And I'll save them as a TIFF file. So the TIFF is usually the format that is going to be published because I don't recommend to people to use the sharpen mask for for their final. Yeah, if it goes to
0: the web and especially when when you size it down after the fact, then you might get artifacts in the image.
1: Exactly. So it's very different and you need to work with the dimensions that your client is going to use. So I do that. At the very very last moment, when I know exactly where this file is going, so if I need to work with a lot of files, and for example, I'll deliver a JPEG just for the the web, let's say, to a client, I'm going to use Capture One because it's super easy to do that there. But if I'm going to give the files to a client that is going to use them bigger. I'm definitely going to go hand by hand each and every file through Photoshop and I'm going to save it manually.
0: Okay. Now it's time for a little commercial break. The show is brought to you by our retouching studio, boutiqueretouching.com, but also learnpostproduction.com, a school we hopefully will launch somewhere in the future. So if you wanna stay informed with what's coming up there, head over to learnpostproduction.com and sign up for the newsletter. And something special here for this episode, the guys over at retouchingpanels.com decided to sponsor today's episode as they had just launched their website. So what is retouchingpanels.com? It is a platform For them to showcase different tools and panels in Photoshop and give you feedback or present them in a way so you can compare different panels and what panel or tool can do versus the other ones and where you might want to spend your money depending on what you actually do in Photoshop. So I think it's a great idea. I wish them good luck with their launch and hope you guys can benefit from the information over there. So again, if you want to learn about that, head over to retouchingpanels.com. And yeah, thanks again for them for sponsoring today's episode. Now let's get back to our conversation with Virginia. Uh, She has a lot to talk about and we will jump right back into our conversation so now I have an interesting question is, where do you even go for inspiration?
1: Oh, uh, that's a very interesting question. I think everyone is going to answer in a very different way. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean,
0: except for listening to the fashion photography podcast, where you can get a lot of inspiration from, what sparks your creativity, so to speak?
1: I've, I've always been very curious, always So I'm trying to be very, I don't know if I'm trying to be, I think I'm a very positive person. So I'm usually surrounding myself with very positive people and with very beautiful things. So if you look at my feed on Instagram, let's say, you're going to see beautiful images. You won't see the images of my neighbor or of somebody that I know. Usually my feed looks very beautiful because I'm following the people that I'm admiring. It's the same in my life. That's what I do. And uh, as I told you, I think my answer is going to be very different because I'm trying to surround myself with beauty the whole time. For example, the people for the podcast that we are choosing, we're choosing them by hand. We're not choosing them because they're trendy right now, but because I have followed their work for ages. And when you surround yourself with so much beauty... It's all that you're going to give to the world because what we see is what we receive is what we are giving. I think that's a real biggest inspiration for me. All the guests that we've had, they're in my Insta feed. And at the same time, I'm looking at, let's say, fashioneditorials.com. I think many people in the industry are drawing inspiration from this website. I'm very happy to know that it's it exists at the same time i'm having countless number of pinterest boards with some ideas that we i mean me and my team we've already made and some that are coming up so the good thing about social media nowadays is that the algorithms are so good that if you're following the right people you're only going to receive more and more amazing information and beautiful pictures and this is going to drive your educational, visual level, on the better level. So for me, that's important. At the same time, I'm doing my best to go to actual exhibitions, somewhere where you can actually see the art. For me, that's important. I'm not going only on photography exhibitions. I'm very drawn to art overall. This means that I'm going to graphic exhibitions, mm-hmm. illustrations also. For me, that's uh, is very inspiring. And I think there are many things overall. I think you can find inspiration in everything. For example, every time when I, when I watch dances and things like that. And inspiration can be very interesting thing. Because for example, we are watching very often Shark Tank. And it's all about entrepreneurs going to the big sharks in the industry. Oh, yeah. Pitching their ideas, ah, uh, it's, getting. There's fundings. also a
0: podcast, the pitch where you can actually get into the conversations where entrepreneurs pitched their projects to investors.
1: Definitely try the show because yeah. it's very inspirational. So I think you can, you can draw inspiration from everything. It depends very much on what are you focusing. Because also books and movies, definitely movies for me, the movies are such a big inspiration. I love movies. I love watching movies, talking about movies, everything connected to that. I don't think that people need to go to a certain niche. For example, if you're a fashion photographer or an advertising photographer, you can always take a look at... For example, illustration or books or something very, very different from your type of art. And you can get inspired from this.
0: Very true. Very true. That's super great advice in terms of how to get inspiration and find inspiration, which you mentioned can be very different from person to person. But I want to know, as you said, you are doing the fashion photography podcast and you are a full-time photographer. How do you actually manage to find work-life balance?
1: Oh, to be honest with you, I was thinking about that the other day because I, I was seeing a friend and she was like, I'm sorry, I'm very busy, I have to do this and that. I was just staying silent and thinking, I mean, I have so many things to do. I don't have any idea how I end up on this table managing to do my work before that i think the secret is when you're getting a good night's sleep you don't need to get up very late i prefer to get up early in the morning not too early though don't imagine me getting up at 5 a.m or something okay so usually i wake up early in the morning i do my uh, stuff like a human stuff i do my breakfast early in the morning for me that's important it gives me a lot of energy I figured out that it's, it's really making me work so much more efficient. Mm-hmm. So I, I do breakfast. So that's I, the time
0: of day where you actually take care of yourself the most? Yeah. Is it your breakfast time or morning time?
1: Yeah, I think so. And while I'm doing my breakfast, which is not something I recommend, but it's what I do, is to take a look at the emails that I have received. At the end of my breakfast, I'm starting to answering those emails. I'm describing right now a day that I'm not photographing it because when I photograph, it's completely different routine. Um, but when I'm at home, if I'm having a podcast, it's usually in the morning or during the day. And I'm usually structuring all my day around the podcast. So at the beginning of the week, I'm doing a list of the things that I need to finish until the end of the week. And daily, I'm going to add the tasks that are coming up today. And I'm going to cross off all the things that I've done so far. And For example, if it's already Tuesday, I'm going to continue with the list and add the tasks for today. So I'm working a lot with lists. I'm constantly having a notebook. For me, that's the way to do it. I'm trying to work with my phone lately. I don't know if it's working that good because I love writing something by hand usually what we do with the podcast is do everything by ourselves can upload an episode or i can do a video about it or anything like that i'm trying to interact with the people in the group as much as i can too so if i have 20 minutes free in my in my schedule i'm going to do a live or something like that I do the editing if I get tired of editing audio (laughs) or I just need to listen to some music or conversation. I'm going to start editing photos and I'm trying to to be healthier uh, the last three years. So during the whole period, I'm drinking lots of water. And I'm trying to get up from time to time because in the past, oh yeah. I've had moments <laughs> yeah, all right. I've had moments in the past when I start working, it was even before the podcast. So I was starting working images, retouching, if it's a retouching day, I'm starting at the very beginning in the morning, and I can continue with that for the whole day. So I haven't had any food or any water. And I realize that this is very corrupting for my body and for my health overall.
0: But it's also difficult to get off because sometimes you are trying to force it, and sometimes you are basically on a run and making good progress. Then your eyes get tired, you're getting dehydrated, and while you're in it, you're not noticing it. So I sometimes struggle with it, and I try to set timers to get up. Nowadays, yeah. it's it's more the cat reminding me to get up that helps
1: you definitely need something to to turn you off from the editing process i think this is super important because you're not efficient otherwise if you're constantly retouching your eyes are getting very tired so you're not seeing as much as at the beginning of the retouch in early in the morning so for me it's very important to stop from time to time and since i'm getting very bored very easily I like to switch between editing images and editing audio and doing emails and answering questions and things like that. So this is a big process and I need to know that I'm not going to burn out very easily and very fast. It's something I try to do, to turn off myself, just go and talk by the phone to someone or, you know, go have a meal. Uh, Basic stuff, but we tend to forget about them. I do that until, I think, the afternoon. I mean, if I have very tight deadlines, I'm going to finish my work. But if I know that I have two or three days more for this project, I'm just going to give up everything and go and train a little bit and do my workout. Because for me, that's important. And it's a way to to get off a little bit of the stress from my mental hard work and give a little bit of hard work to my body i see that this is helping me a lot so this is what i practice lately lately take the last three years or maybe two i don't know i think that's important because when we are sitting all day in front of the computer it's really big burden and soon you're going to start feeling very tired you're going to feel a lot of pain in your body and i'm not up for it i'm under 30 and i'm working a lot so i'm just not aiming at uh, being worn off at 30 so i'm trying to take care of me and my body ever since i started living with george he loves his job he's working for one of the biggest firms for vr in the world literally and he's not having set hours. He can go at 1 p.m. at work. He just has to finish his job and do like about eight hours of work. But he can, he can do just six today and do the rest of the two tomorrow or something like that. But he loves his job. So he's always staying a little bit more than those eight hours or something like that. So once we started living together, I said to myself, once he's back home, I'm not working anymore. It's just our time together. So this is what I do for the past few years. And I'm happy with that. I can tell you that when you do what you do with all your love, you can find the time for it. Doesn't matter how hard it is. So of course there are times and there are days or maybe even weekends when I need to finish something. I'm going to finish it. Um, But I try to do that not very oftenly, and not to make it a habit.
0: Yeah, that's super great advice as well. I I see that you are super aware of what you're doing and what helps you. And I also think you are growing into it, basically, and you have to experience and try different things and to see what is beneficial for your body and your mind. And it seems like you're doing great with that. And, And yeah, making these experiences and making changes for you yourself and and basically you eventually will find a little bit more of that balance and you're you're actually working on on that which is super great to see as well
1: i actually learned it the hard way because i had a bad experience in 2015 i got hit by a bus and six months after i wasn't able to move my left hand so i wasn't able to work and i was in amazing pain it was just a big reminder that your body is your temple. So if you don't take care of it, sooner or later it's going to give up on you. So right now, I really try to take care of my mental and my physical health. I know that it's very hard to realize that if you're happy enough and nothing have happened to you yet. And you're like, I'm 30 years old, I'm super healthy, I'm fine, I can work till three during the night or something like that but you won't be able to do that for a very long time yeah you have to be smart about it
0: that's so true we have to think about being able to work and not just for today but also for tomorrow and we have now talked about so many things and like but i also like listening to all the advice you give and we've talked about the podcast you were doing, we've talked about how you actually got into retouching by making a big decision, which was not going to the regular high school and eventually found yourself in, in retouching and photography later on. Yeah, now as someone who has so much experience in the field, can you maybe give one or two tips or what would be your number one tip for someone who is eager to get into this industry?
1: Well, in order to get in this industry, you need, I think, three things. You need to work a lot. You need to work constantly. I mean, every single moment that you have free time, you need to shoot something. And this something probably has to be something related to a portfolio that you want to see. Those three things, maybe four, they're really closely related In order to get a lot of work in the industry, you need to have connections. And for you to build those connections, you need to work a lot. So the more you work, the more connections you have. You need to be very open. So you have to work with a lot of people. I've worked with so many people. Some of them were really like a big mistake. Nothing happened afterwards. But at least I knew that I don't want to work with those people when I meet the client. Because, for example, they're getting late to the job or something like that. So you need to be very aware of what your final goal is going to be. The other thing is to be very visually educated. It's super important to look at beautiful photos. The other thing that I really consider very important is to find the right mentor for you. You can do this by yourself, but it's going to be very time-consuming, and very hard for you. So better find someone in the industry that is going to take care of you, not like a child, but something more, somebody who is going to give you critique. And this cannot be your best friend. It cannot be your mother. They could be great people. But you need an established person. And you need to know that this is something that one of my teachers Actually, once told me at the university, photography especially, and this industry overall is a very expensive luxury. You need to know that you need to spend a lot of money in order to receive some money. So you have to be very sure that this is the right niche for you and that you're ready to make a lot of sacrifices for it. I've never tried doing anything else in my life. It could be the same with every profession. I have no idea. But by my experience so far in this industry, you need to be aware of those stuff. You need to work a lot. You need to to meet new people. You need to be open. Me, myself, I'm not an extrovert, though many people think that I am. I don't like to label myself. I cannot tell that I'm an introvert but I have made the right schedule for me to to have some time to talk to many people and at the same time to have my quiet time. So I'm trying to balance those two and it's working for me. But if you're too shy, maybe this industry is not for you. Though this can be fixed. So if you feel like this is what you want to do and you're very shy, maybe this can be fixed. Maybe you can work on it, but... I think you definitely need a mentor, somebody to to give you really a critique and especially constructive critique is something very important, something that everyone needs to. And also, I think this is something that I preach constantly. You cannot be just an artist. If you want to be part of this industry and you're only an artist, probably you're not going to succeed at all. And if you do you were probably a very lucky person.
0: True. Just maybe a handful of true artists who make it and the other persons are hardworking people who also worked on their business skills.
1: Yeah, you need to have a lot of business knowledge in your head because without the business knowledge, without the social media knowledge, without the marketing knowledge, even if you were a photography guru, if you're lucky enough, as I said, maybe some people are going to notice you and uh, make you what you want to be, shape you as an artist. But I have a big question here. If you're an amazing artist that is not aware how to market themselves, how to use the social media, how to make a real business out of their career as a photographer or an artist overall, how are these guys going to, to find out about you? That's the thing. I think they're all very connected and we need to work on them all. So finding the right community for you, some people that can give you an advice, but also help you to grow is very important.
0: It really is. So, I mean, we've talked for so long and you gave such good advice today. And also you explained what it takes to get into this industry. I really, really, really have to thank you for us spending the time basically sharing all the information with the people who are listening to our podcast. Thank you again for making the time. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Thank you so much. It was really a blast to be here. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Yeah, I hope we can get you back and maybe we'll find a special topic on one or two things you mentioned during the interview. And maybe we can elaborate on that a little bit more in the future. That would be great.
1: I would love that. Yeah, I was ready to share, I have no problems with it. <laughs>
0: well, again, it was a pleasure to have you on. You're such a positive person, and I hope that came through with the interview.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Okay, guys, that was it. Episode number twenty is a wrap. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking around. I would really appreciate if you were to leave a comment on our website, boutiqueretouching.com or leave us a review wherever you are listening, preferably iTunes, and I see you in the next episode.
1: If I need to use my... I, I forgot it again. Yes, I forgot the word laptop.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. that happens. And it can... Uh, oh, my cat is here. <laughs> Could you hear her?
1: yeah a little bit
0: yeah my cat is so annoying and
1: um she's very lonely probably
0: I, she was <laughs> sleeping all the time and now i don't know what she what she has
1: you know when i have a parrot so every time i do a podcast he's so active he's like the host of the show so, I need to track him in the, the other room. Yeah. <laughs> to make sure that I'll be doing the interview or I'll be doing the tips and tricks. So, I understand you.
0: Now, I. Stupid cat. <laughs> now she is going crazy again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, she's demanding attention.
0: She just sits in front of me and yells at me.
1: Mm hmm. Oh, she's a real woman,
0: she's a princess. <laughs>
1: Ha, ha, ha.